If you'd like to find the Bible reading, it's on page 1028 in the Red Bibles at the end of the pews. Um, page 1028, it's Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. I think we had the first uh, few verses quite recently. I think it was the reading on Christmas Day at this particular service um, with the how everyone was assembling in, in Bethlehem and uh, how the baby Jesus was born and the shepherds being out in the field and the angel bringing good news to them. And today's reading Luke chapter 2 beginning at verse 15. Verse 15, Luke 2. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of the Lord. A prayer as we sit. Heavenly Father, as you sent your angels to the shepherds at the first Christmas time to speak words of peace and joy and hope, speak to us this Christmas from your word, that we too may rejoice in your love and follow the path that you set before us. For Jesus' sake. Amen. When do you take down the Christmas decorations in your home? Do you switch off the lights, pack up the baubles, remove the Christmas tree if you have one and put away or throw away the Christmas cards all at the same time? Is it always the same date each year when you do all of that? Well, there are people who come from places with different customs here this morning. People from Brazil, people from Colchester. <laughs> and, uh, you might just like to ask the people around you, have they still got up the Christmas decorations? Have what sort of decorations they have? Or when do they take them down if they haven't done so already? <coughs> well, can I have a quick wave of the hands if the Christmas decorations are down already in your home? No. Um, when are they going down? Of course, I did a bit of research on this and I found a survey on one newspaper's website. And this is what I found, that 50%, half the country take their, down their decorations at Epiphany, the feast when we celebrate the coming of the wise men. That's January the 6th, which is Friday, or perhaps the day before the evening, before the Thursday evening. Who reckons they're going to go down Thursday evening or Friday this coming week? Some are going to come down there. Perhaps that, that tree is going to... I, I've, I've actually done something to that tree over the last few days. I, it was that the lights were flashing the other the Sunday when I was to Kelso, so I couldn't quite face the lights flashing in the corner of my eye. And I noticed I managed to find a strategic way to stop them flashing, and no one's made them flash again. But apart from that, everything's just the same. The tree is still here um, in the church. So half of them, that's... Uh, um, so I think it's... it's Tradition is the twelfth night, the twelfth night of Christmas. Well, what's the twelfth night of Christmas depends on what's the first night of Christmas. 
So if it's Christmas Eve, then you take them down on Thursday evening, the 5th. Sam was saying that's when they'll take theirs down. She says if she was um, actually going back to sort of work earlier in her work as a children's family's worker, she'd have, she'd have to take them down because she can't cope with going back to work with the decorations still up. So sometimes it changes, doesn't it? Some wise nodding around the church, whether that's wise nodding or nodding off, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> Then um, apparently 30%, just about a third, take the decorations down on New Year's Day. Well, that would be today. Um, 14% do so on Boxing Day, day after Christmas. 2% are very Anglican, I think, and uh, go with the tradition of keeping them up until the um, Feast of Candlemas, the Feast of the Presentation of Christ in the Temple on February the 2nd. Anyone who keeps them up till February the 2nd? You keep the crib up until February said, oh, very good. I'm glad we have a very Anglican member of the congregation. Must be all that contact in Wells that does it. <laughs> and um, 2% claim to leave them up all the year round. <laughs> well, I wonder how you feel when you take the decorations down, even if it's only putting away a few cards. Do you experience regret at the end of a period of celebration with special food and drink and party games? Well, yeah. Or is there perhaps a sense of relief as well? Perhaps particularly that the party games are over. <laughs> Do you feel sad when you won't be seeing some members of the family for a long time and perhaps you won't be all together in the same place for another year? Do you feel reluctant about going back to work? or having to face problems again that haven't gone away just because it's Christmas? Do you wish you could somehow take the spirit of Christmas into the new year? Things like the peace of Christmas. I'm not sure everyone looking around here would regard peace as the obvious thing to think of at Christmas time. Probably depends on the age of your family. And even if Christmas does have its own tensions, the, the best moments are that moment of real peace in the deep sense when we can relax and just be ourselves, accepted as we are by the people we love, and knowing that we're loved and accepted by God. And then there's the joy of Christmas, when we realise what really matters as we're surrounded by those people, whether sitting together at home or singing carols together in church. And the hope of Christmas as we remind ourselves, as we did on Christmas Eve and on Christmas Day here, that the name Jesus means God saves, God to the rescue, just like the name Joshua. And uh, God rescues us from our failures in the past. Remembering too, and we sang it earlier in one of the songs, that Jesus is also Emmanuel, God with us in all our challenges in the present and for all eternity. And we long to keep that spirit of joy and peace and hope alive in us into the coming year as we re-engage with everyday life on what we call our front lines amongst our friends and family, at school, at work, amongst colleagues, in our community. We use that expression in this church and in many churches, the front line where we sort of really make contact with the big wide world outside. But the front line where the contrast between Christmas and everyday existence was the most stark was perhaps the front line of the trenches in the First World War and the front line in every area of conflict since then right up until today. 
1914, in the first Christmas of the First World War, there were some unofficial truces when they sort of stopped fighting for the day. I don't know if you've heard about that, how some of the British and German troops got out of their trenches where they'd been firing guns at each other the previous day. They actually played a football, played a game of football in, in the land between the two trenches. It only happened that first year. Apparently, though, apparently, they kept very quiet when some of the others just unofficially decided, at least on Christmas Day, to stop firing at one another for the next year or two. And some of you may have heard me read extracts from my grandfather's war diaries because he was there in one of the trenches in northern France. But he wasn't there on 1914, he wasn't there till 1915. And he was. Um, in near a place called Tietval, which is where there's a huge memorial now to those who don't have a known grave. And today I'd like you to read you an extract um, from Christmas on the Somme in 1915. My grandfather begins by recalling how that first Christmas truce, stopping fighting and playing football, wasn't to be repeated. So this is his diary. I should do it in a Lancashire accent, but I can't quite manage it. December the 24th. We had received a special order of the day from, St. Doug, from Sir Douglas Haig, who'd taken over command from Lord French on December the 15th. The order was to this effect, that there was to be no fraternising between the Germans and ourselves. The troops in the front line were to be extra vigilant, and the general desired that troops should be specially active with small raids and worry the Germans during the Christmas period. Sergeant Major Howard made a remark in his blunt way, Oh, the old company's going melancholy all because they're in blooming trenches for Christmas. Why, it's the only place to wish the Bosch a happy Christmas, and I think we've done it tonight with our raids on their outposts. So he and I had a walk round the line and took the rum ration with us. December the 25th, Xmas Day. Didn't feel a bit like Christmas Day, and naturally I often wondered about all them at home. Got a message from headquarters to say that our artillery would shell various parts of the German defences starting at half past one, Tiepval village included. We're evidently going to deliver a few Christmas presents made specially in England. Our Christmas Day lunch was a poor do. The rations were short, fancy on Christmas Day of all days, so we had to be content with tinned beef. How about that compared with turkey or goose? Also, the post didn't arrive, so we didn't get any Christmas cards. I kept a lookout for Father Christmas, but I don't think he knew where the trenches were. At least he didn't arrive. While I was out of my dugout, a shell came right through the roof of my little home and burst inside. Just one of those might have beens. I found the nose cap of this shell and kept it as a souvenir. Can people imagine that in England this day, people had been singing, Peace on earth, goodwill to men? There didn't seem much of that spirit with us. The rest of Christmas Day passed quietly. We managed to have a Christmas pudding for dinner, one sent out from home, and it was excellent. It's a very strange mixture, isn't it? I find it very moving how my grandfather struggles to hold together what Christmas had always meant to him with the reality of Christmas on the front line in wartime. But in a way, we all struggle to hold together the wonder of the message of Christmas with the reality of lives in the wider world and the reality of our everyday lives. So perhaps it's time. You might think, high time. We looked at our reading from Luke chapter 2, there on page 1028, if you'd like to keep it open in front of you. See what we can learn from the responses of those who witnessed the events of the first Christmas. Well, the first witnesses were the shepherds. 
Their work meant that they lived on the edge of society and uh, weren't really approved of by most people. Some people thought they were dishonest. Some people looked down on them because they didn't go to the, the synagogue and joined in things like other people. Well, they couldn't, could they? They were looking after the sheep. But it meant they hadn't got much of a reputation. But those people, those were the people that God chose to be the first people after Mary and Joseph to be given a revelation of his purposes in Jesus. And just before our gospel reading today in verse 10, the angel, that's God's messenger, had told the shepherds out in the fields these things in verse 10. The angel said to the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. The angel went on to tell them they'd find this special baby in a manger, an animal's feeding trough. So when the shepherds did find Jesus in the manger, well, then they knew they'd found the right baby. And they were more convinced of what the angel had told them about him. And so we read there in verse 17. When the shepherds had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And presumably what the shepherds told everyone was not just, well, they found a baby in a manger, but that he was the long-awaited Christ or Messiah. It means the anointed one, the special one who would establish God's rule on earth. And he was also the saviour who would rescue God's people, bringing them forgiveness and peace. And he could even be given the title Lord, which was normally reserved as a title for God himself by the Jewish people, even though the pagan Roman emperor Augustus rather proudly claimed that title as his own. But despite that, Luke writes, Jesus would be the true Lord of all the world. And the shepherds didn't keep this amazing news to themselves, but they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And if we want to take the spirit of Christmas into the new year, we too must be prepared to spread the word about Jesus and show what it means for him to be the Lord of our lives. If we, as it were, keep our faith in a separate compartment, perhaps just for Sundays or for a few minutes each morning, well, we'll find our faith then won't seem real to us in our everyday lives and it will grow weaker. The shepherds didn't have a week's holiday. It's probably only a few hours before they had to get back to work out on the hillside looking after their sheep. We read in verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. As well as telling other people who might have taken little notice of them or even been a bit hostile to their message, the shepherds also reminded each other of what they'd seen and heard by praising God together. As we return to our everyday routine, we need to encourage each other to turn to God in praise and in prayer. On Sundays, as we worship together, in a growth group, if we can, during the week, perhaps by phone or by text, if we can't meet other Christians face to face. And that encouragement will be greater if we can share our experience of how God has helped us to face the challenges of every day and what he's taught us through them.
And I wonder whether we'd face the future challenges with greater confidence if we followed the example of the shepherds by including more praise and thanksgiving in our prayers. Well, if we can learn from the excited response of the shepherds, we can also learn from the more thoughtful response of Mary. Look there in verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. That word treasured, Mary treasured up these things. It's a, it has the idea of keeping a, a tight hold on them, keeping a tight hold in her mind to make sure they didn't slip out of her mind and her memory. And when Luke says that Mary pondered them in her heart, he's saying how she kept such a tight hold of them. Literally, it's by throwing them together or constantly turning them over in her mind. Perhaps we're in the habit of doing something similar as we try to keep alive our memories of someone, perhaps someone who's died, perhaps someone who's now a long way away as they've gone home after the Christmas celebrations. We try to keep the memory alive by replaying the sound of their voices in our minds or retelling incidents from their lives or things we've shared together. Mary's example encourages us to dwell on what God has revealed to us of his truth and his love. Perhaps we can recall verses from the Bible, perhaps some of the songs we sing in church or some of the traditional hymns, ones that have words from the Bible in them. We're more likely to be able to do that if we read the Bible regularly. So here comes this sort of um, advertising spot in this sermon. I've put out um, quite a lot of copies of Bible notes. Yvonne, could you possibly go to where I've put them out so people can see where they are? If you sort of wave some of them around, any of them there, just wave them about. That's lovely. Yes. Oh, yes. Just see, my, my glamorous assistant there is showing you the <laughs> copies of the Bible notes. Um, a lot of them aren't from this year. They're from 2016 or 2015. And people have given them copies. All sorts of different types of notes. Some particularly, I don't know why they've got ones particularly for women, but not particularly for men. I don't know why that is. They've got some in large print. I mean, I write my notes here in 0.16. It's going to be 0.18 next year, I suppose, getting bigger and bigger. Eventually, there'll just be one word on each page. Um, <laughs> But some of them, they've got notes in large print, if you, you find that would be helpful. They've usually got a, um, a passage from the Bible, sometimes written out, sometimes you look it up for yourself. And then they've got a bit of explanation or some thoughts about it. Um, but they're all different types. Now, the ones to there, there, just simply take one with you. See if you like it. If not, put it back next week. Try another one. Um, you know, just see how it goes. See if it can become perhaps your new habit of... 2017. I know there are, I might get notes for about 15 or 20 people in this church, but I'm surprised it isn't more. I know some people get their own. I know some people, like Yvonne says, she goes to Bible notes, things like Scripture Union online. If you'd like to know more about online notes, no point asking me, try asking. I don't do much online, my dear. <laughs> try asking Yvonne or other people. Anyone else um, who does use some sort of Bible notes or Bible reading scheme online who would wave a hand? Apart from Yvonne, who goes, oh, Kate, make, the, make use of Mark while he's here. Yes, <laughs> um, ask, you know, things and recommendations there. Do give it a, a try. And uh, then if you'd like to go on um, doing it regularly, I can get notes for you or other people can. I'm sure Adrian, when he's back, he's much more online than I am. Sam's much more online than I am. Everyone else here is more online than I am. They can, you can find these, but seriously, or just 
read your way through the Bible. It often helps to have some scheme or notes to help you. Here endeth the advertisement. <laughs> but do take them. I hope there won't be many left um, afterwards. Just don't take them too with people's names on them. Perhaps I've hidden them. It's a way that we can treasure up God's word and turn it over in our hearts and minds and put it into practice in our daily lives. On the other hand, sometimes we can develop the unhelpful habit of recalling negative things. Sam was saying how so often the media, they always draw attention to the, the, the things that drag us down. Perhaps, um, well, just things that drag us down the world around us or criticism ourselves in the past, put-downs we've um, been given that have sapped our confidence, dwelling on the memories of past wrongs that we don't feel have been righted. Those things can pull us down. If we're troubled by those sort of things going round in our minds, we may not get far by tackling them head on. We may be better off taking Paul's advice in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things and the God of peace will be with you. As we look ahead to the new year, I wonder what we're looking forward to with expectation. Things where we just can't wait for that date when something's going to happen. Or perhaps there are things we're looking forward to with apprehension. We're a bit nervous about them. Or perhaps it's just a matter of having a slight reluctance to face some of the old tasks again. Let's think about that for a moment and... Let's ask God to help us to follow the example of the shepherds by making more time for praise and thanksgiving in our prayers and by sharing and showing the message of Christmas with those we meet day by day so that we take Christmas with us into the new year. Or perhaps we need first to follow the example of Mary in holding on to the truths of Christmas by turning them over in our minds and our hearts as we face what each day brings. Pause and think about that for just a moment, and then I'll say a prayer. Loving Father, as we face a new year, give us the faithful devotion of Mary so that we may hold on to the truth of your Son in a changing and challenging world, and grant us the overflowing joy of the shepherds that we may show and share that truth in our lives, for Jesus' sake. Amen.